0: Good morning and welcome to New Beginning Radio, where we're planting seeds today for a better tomorrow and taking positive steps towards our future. With me today, my co-host, Mr. Sheldon Gooch. Welcome, Mr. Gooch.
1: Good morning, Ms. Sanders. Good morning, Mr.
0: Gooch. How are you this morning?
1: Man, I tell you what, if it gets any better, I have to be twins. Twins? Yes, oh, indeed. my. Yes, good to Double see trouble, you. huh? That's, absolutely. You better know it. It's good to see you this it's morning. It's
0: good to see you this morning as well. How was your weekend?
1: Oh, man, I tell you what, it was a really, really good weekend. I had a chance to go to church and fellowship with some brothers and sisters and give God some glory. That's always a how, blessing how to get
0: in church. Oh, family, family that I do every Sunday. Okay. Hang out with my family, go to dinner, come yeah. back home, you good. know. Yeah. It's always a good Sunday.
1: Good, yeah. good. Well, what's on the agenda for today?
0: Oh, we have a beautiful young lady that uh, have a uh, powerful, powerful story that we, you know, that we need to talk about. One of the things that the Geneva Foundation that we that we really encourage, and not only the Geneva Foundation, but I'm free and, and the and our radio station here is that anyone that has a story that they have gone through any type of doesn't matter what it is uh abuse or or, or just been a bad situation and right. god have bought them through it mm-hmm. that's definitely somebody that we need to talk to Absolutely. because their test is a testimony for yeah. someone else yeah, so yeah. we definitely want to hear those stories
1: and especially when they have a new beginning test,
0: yes it's always a new beginning awesome because awesome. once you acknowledge accept things that have happened, That means that you will open up to God's grace and His glory that He's going to empower you with. Mm. So we're excited to have this young lady today.
1: Awesome, awesome. Would it be okay if I start off with a word of prayer? Absolutely. Okay. Dear Father, we do thank you for this morning and thank you for giving us a brand new week, a brand new day. And Father, a a brand new opportunity to just to get it right. And we thank you for your grace and your mercy that pursues us aggressively all day long. And um, and Father, we just uh, pray for the listeners, those that are listening today, that they would be edified and built up and, and encouraged and that their needs would be ministered to. And Father, we thank you for the guests that we have today. And we pray, Lord God, that her story will give you glory. And we thank you for the opportunity to be used on this platform. And we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 So um, I'm, I'm delighted uh, because you have been talking about this incredible young lady, and you've promoted her last week, and you've been talking about her through the week, and I'm just, I'm just excited and delighted at the opportunity and the privilege and the distinction to be able to introduce her this morning. First of all, we have uh, our little sister in the studio with us as well
0: yes we do (laughs) this is
1: amelia stewart and many of you heard her story a couple of weeks ago powerful story shared from from the heart and and the insights that she left made you think she was 60 years old but uh but we're glad to have you again miss stewart
2: hi everyone i'm happy to be here this morning
1: absolutely absolutely so um well, I'll go ahead and introduce our guest and then I'll let you guys take it away. So we have with us a lady who has overcome some seemingly insurmountable challenges. And she she does not look like what she's been through. Her smiling face is bringing sunshine into the studio this morning. So her name is Lasagna Lightfoot. How are you doing this morning? I'm well, well. You look well. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so we're glad you're here. And uh, we're excited about you being here and willing to share. And um, again, we pray that our listeners will be encouraged and inspired by your story.
3: Awesome.
1: Thank you. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so, my
3: name is Lasaya. I am 44 years young. I just turned 44 um, okay. a couple of weeks ago. Go right. ahead. Uh, October 29th, I'm a Scorpio. Watch out. <laughs> um, I have two sons one is 22 and one is 15. Wow. I am a single. Parent of two boys, which is a challenge within itself. Oh yeah. Um, I work at a community college, a local community college, where I teach. Uh, I work with the adult education department. Really. Where I teach uh, career awareness. That's in, that includes things like resume writing, interviewing skills, just you know career awareness um, skills, just to try to get those people who are coming back for their second chance back on the right track, you know, with uh, seeking employment. That's kind of what I do now. That's also, nice. I have a, a boutique for plus-size women, Garden of Eden Boutique. I do that. Um, I have uh, Rise Above It that I'm working on. It's a project I'm working on. I have the Purple Unicorns, which is another project I'm working on with young girls that um, we want to teach them things like social skills. Um, we want to do some community uh, engagement. Um, we talk about uh, safety and things like that. So I got to Wow. A couple
1: projects. So, what do you do with all the extra time? <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Sleep. <laughs> wow.
0: We thank you so very much for being here. You know, I, I was listening to your story last week, mm-hmm. and really wanted you to come back and talk to our audience because, you know, <clears throat> I'm a survivor of of rape of mm-hmm. of abuse, and you know, and a lot of times we as women, we sit there and we sit there and we sit there. And when we act out one way or the other, people don't really understand what's going on with, with us. And most times, 99% of the time, it's something that has happened in our life that changed our life. Right. So I know listening to your story, there were some things that have gone on with you. Mm-hmm. And I definitely want you to share as much as you are comfortable with sharing okay. with our listening audience,
3: uh, between the ages of uh, the ages of four and six, I was um uh, molested, mm-hmm. and it was by a person that um had some authority, mm-hmm. somebody that I trusted, mm-hmm. um, somebody that um I looked to for guidance. Mm-hmm. And, um, during that time, um, I remember vividly like my dreams or my nightmares that I would have. Um, I had the feeling of when the, when things would happen, I had the feeling of being like in a jungle. Um, Mm -hmm. and when the actual act was happening, I had the feeling of having like my skin just kind of ripped off. So, I would tell anybody, it was like an out-of-body experience because I would feel like I wasn't there. It, that this wasn't happening to me because I wasn't present in it at that time. Mm-hmm. And, um, my mom being very, um, observant, I would have these night sweats and I would, um, have other things going on, I guess, that a child my age shouldn't have going on. And so, um she did her, upon her observation, she discovered that something had been going on with me. So when she discovered that something had been going on with me, she decided to make a move. And she uprooted her whole life and um, left the situation. And so that put, that at that time, I took a lot of Growing up, I felt a lot of responsibility for certain situations happening mm-hmm. um, even though it wasn't my fault. Um, one of the things that after that experience occurred that I realized was that I never saw healthy relationships because my mama was so protective of me mm-hmm. after that happened that she didn't want to, she didn't want men to be around me or me to be around men. So, I didn't witness, you know, good, loving relationships at that time. So, as I grew up, trying to figure out what a good, loving relationship was supposed to be like, I was promiscuous. Um, also, being plus size, there were some other issues going on there, but thinking that somebody liked me if they had sex with me, or if I let them have sex mm-hmm. with me, that meant that they liked me and so i did that for a while and it really took me having to work around other kids my age to see that i could spot other girls who had been abused um i was one of the girls who would wear my coat in 85 degree weather mm. Cause I didn't oh, want people man. to look at me. Oh. It was like a scarlet letter type yes. situation, you know. <laughs> if they look at me, they're gonna know. Um, if they look at me, they're gonna think I'm dirty, or if they look, if they look at me, you know, it it was just something about not wanting to be noticed. Almost putting this cloak of you don't mm-hmm. see me. Oh,
0: I understand. You know,
3: <laughs> so that also caused me to have mediocre academic performance. Um, I, I I've always been. My mama said, mom said, "I'm always you're so intelligent," but at one point I didn't want to stand out. I was okay with, you know, I'm gonna get back here and let them do all the work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think even to this day I still do that. Um, but I did learn over time when I got into um, social services. So, I, I when I was younger I wanted to be a fashion designer. After my experience and after experiencing some things and seeing other girls going, I'm like, I need to help these girls. Not me. Wow. But I need to help these girls. And so I got into social service. I um started out in social work and I got over into psychology and I wound up in counseling. So I got my I got my actually got my bachelor's in psychology from Jackson State University. All right. Um then I got my master's in guidance and counseling from Jackson State University. And then um, after working in the field and getting some experience, I went to Mississippi College and started a doctoral program out there that I hadn't finished, but it was um, also in counseling. During all this time, i worked in the field for it since I was 13. When I was at the Boys and Girls Club, I was a volunteer. and I tell anybody, you know, one of the biggest things that kept me out of trouble was my mom was like, you're going to be somewhere all day. Mm. Mm. And wow. since they didn't have any openings, she threw me in there as a volunteer. And so I was there all day, like I was at oh work. My and um, I would be there, she would drop me off on her way to work, and she would pick me up when she got out of work. Right. Kept me out of trouble. So That's good. Make I, a note on that. I, <laughs> so I also had an opportunity to be a staff member, which made me have a little bit feel like I had a little bit of authority mm-hmm. as well. Um so I left that and I stayed working with the kids. I worked at uh with Catholic charities at our house shelter. I did that for a while for about mm-hmm. five years. I transitioned from Catholic charities to Mississippi State Hospital. Still working with the kids on Oak Circle. I did that for about five years. Um so I've seen them from coming off the street into the shelter to being institutionalized. Mm-hmm. And then I round up I round all it out. We're working, doing in-home therapy. I worked at a, at a company and I did in-home therapy. And I worked there for like nine years. Wow. Where I moved up from being a therapist to actually being a supervisor. It's um, amazing. And, and, and during all of this time, I kept wanting to tell my story. Um, but working for other people, I never knew how. I never knew when it was appropriate. Yeah. You know, I never knew how much should I say. And... Um, you know, I didn't want one of my one of my um, youth to be in their sessions. I'm, yeah, Miss
2: Life was it. Oh,
3: she, you man. know, oh, it's wow. it's always just been something in the back of my mind. So, <clears throat> but what I learned through, what I learned through all of that, even when I started going to college after I got my bachelor's, I realized that nobody can take this from me. At a very young age, somebody took something from me.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I had no control. Mm-hmm. From then, until I decided that I know how to give my control, I have to go do things that I can control that that's people it. can't take from me. That's it.
1: Wow, that's good. That's
3: it. So when I started doing that, it not only helped me kind of self... It, it not only helped me have more self-awareness, it also helped me with self with my self-esteem. Because not only had I had those issues, but I was, you know, overweight and I wore thick glasses and I had other stuff going on. But once I realized, you know, hey, out, and after I uncovered, okay, let me just say this. <laughs> after all of those years of piling clothes on, once I put took that off and was like, damn, what's that? <laughs> when did that
4: get there? Uh-oh. It
3: became, it, it became. More relevant to me that I have something to offer, not just to a male. You're Right. I yes. need to get out here. Yes. And start working some stuff. Yes. So yes. I started wanting to work with the kids and, I, um, you know, and trying to spread the word about self-awareness and, you know, self-control. Because one thing that I did learn was that there were a lot of things that I did because I chose to do it. Mm-hmm. Being promiscuous was a choice. I felt like I had to do that to make because it was going to make me feel good. Yeah. I wanted to tell other young women that you don't have to do that. You know, my thing is abuse. Although it's a horrible thing that happened, but abuse is no excuse. Yeah. When I worked at State Hospital, when I worked at the shelter, you know, these girls would come and say, well, my son and so did this to me and that's why I'm doing this and doing mm-hmm. that. And I'm like, I want to say it happened to me, too, but I'm not running around here, you know, cussing people out and talking crazy to them. So, abuse is no excuse. That's true. So, my big campaign is, like with the Boys and Girls Club, what it did for me, it was a resource.
4: Mm
3: -hmm. My campaign is, you can get through anything if you have the right tools in your Mm -hmm. toolbox. Mm -hmm. So, I just want to provide people and, and give young women tools to use to mm-hmm. put in their toolbox
1: just name one of those tools that that um, you can give to someone provide to someone and they can use right away and see the results
3: so one of the resources that i do know that does work is community service going out and helping other people it kind of it takes your mind off hmm. what you're going through and helps you not only be a servant, but it switches focus. It it switches the focus of what you've been through, what you're going through, to say, I'm not the only one that this happened to. You know, this is now. I'm not the only one that this has happened to. So how can we grow from this experience? It's powerful. It happens. It it, and that's almost the only thing that kind of brought me to the point where. I'm com- I'm comfortable with talking about it because I know I'm not the only one that's happened to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I do know a lot of women that still struggle with maladaptive behaviors, mm-hmm. Absolutely. even in adulthood. Yes, right. because it happened. Yes, and you know I have relationship issues just because of the control. Don't try to control me. <laughs> you know I I hear I I want you to submit to my husband. You are not my husband. Don't try to control me. I've been in a situation where I had no control, and I just—it's hard for me to relinquish control over certain things. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, so I never want to be that vulnerable, because that's, that's what it was. Yeah. So yeah. vulnerable, mm-hmm. and so when we get vulnerable like that, it it affects us to the point where we almost, you know, shrivel up into mm-hmm. a little a little sheltering because we don't know what's coming next.
0: That's true. Right. Let me let me ask you. Let's let me go back for a moment. You talked about your mom, mm-hmm. you know, and and I can I can relate to that. So let's just talk about your mom a little okay. bit. And, and 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 I was listening to what you said. The moment you I'm gonna get emotional. The moment you told your mom, she packed everybody up, and, and she got, got away. She got away. And because she loved you so much, because I have seen and heard so many stories where the mother chose to stay yes. and put the daughter out. Mm-hmm. So to be able to have that mom to say, hey, I, I know, I trust you, I believe in you. You know, you said this happened, I believe in you. I don't have to go ask him a question. I trust you and believe in you. Mm-hmm. And to be able to say, I am leaving and not take anything. I don't want nothing. I just want my children. That's it. That is so powerful. It is Tell powerful. me about your mom.
3: My mom is awesome. Um, she's hard. My mom is hardcore now. Huh? <laughs> but okay. she's um, she's a baby sister. So she has older brothers. And she grew up kind of tomboyish. Mm-hmm. Um so a lot of the the emotional, uh, fru stuff that I do, she doesn't really understand. <laughs> um, but anything that I want to do, anything that I ask her for, she is my biggest support. When you said when you talked about tools, I need to go back. Mm-hmm. Cause my mom is probably the most important tool in my toolbox. Mm-hmm. Is my support system. Yes. Wow. Yes. <clears throat> She um I think I'm about to get emotional she um she's like my rock she she'll let me talk about stuff, but she'll come back like with some reason, she's like, well, I am what you're saying, but mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, she'll tell me because she doesn't want to push me to a point where I feel like she's making decisions or anything. she'll say, well, if you like it, I love it, mm. Mm-hmm. That includes people that I've dated that she didn't really like um, or she felt like I didn't need to be with. But she said, you will see, you know, you will, when you decide that you are tired of it, you will, you leave that situation. And she says that if you like it, I love it. Um, because she loves me. Yes. And, um, she always, she's such a beautiful spirit. She actually works for Jackson Public Schools as an officer. And she touches so many children's lives. Mm-hmm. And she's seen so many children come from different elementary schools to now they're in high school. Mm-hmm. So she's had such an impact. She's probably about to retire in about a year or two. But, And I, I made a, actually made a post the other day on Facebook and I said, you know, my mom has a heart that's so big that I don't mind sharing. Wow. I've yes. shared her with a lot of people. Yes. And she has a lot of love to to give, and um, I'm just grateful that she was the strong woman that she was and made a decision to leave, because when she made the decision, like we were pretty much like homeless. Right. Um, but,
1: but you know what though, happen. and and I, I like what uh, Miss Sandra said that she packed up and you know just she left. booked it. But and, and there are some people, like you said, Miss Sanders, that will put the child out. Mm-hmm. But then there are those who will just allow the child to continue to be absolutely. vulnerable, absolutely, and and let all parties stay in the same mm-hmm. location. And e- either way, that's that's not good. So to be able to just say, look, let's get out of here, mm-hmm. um, that is somebody who's really thinking about your survival. And um, and I so think and so. that's
3: helped me probably the most because if she had a not done that there's no telling what will happen you know where it would have went after that and that also lets me see a different side of it with the the young ladies that i've worked with they have come into custody because their moms Mm -hmm. turned the other way or because their moms took the man over them or Mm -hmm. you know because they put them out because they made accusations towards the mom's boyfriend Mm -hmm. or um things like that so I've seen so many. I've seen this thing from so many different perspectives. Then now it's like, okay, life, what you gonna do about it?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I've seen it from the being a victim of it mm-hmm. to being a survivor oh, of it. Yes. Wow. I've seen it from working with the the kids my own age and seeing it and be like, oh, I could tell they've been through the same thing I've been through. Mm-hmm. At thirteen, fourteen, fifteen to eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Starting my counseling career and kind of seeing it from their perspective. to supervising therapeutic foster care, seeing it from their perspective. Being able to come and help foster parents understand that you got to treat this child like this. You can't, they're going to do some things, but you got to know it because they know a little bit more than the average child.
4: Right. Mm-hmm. That's right that's right
3: but don't true. make them feel like they're nasty and don't make them feel like they've done something bad because i did a couple of things too mm-hmm. I, as growing, growing up, up I, yeah, yeah i remember I, I have a little cousin and i i'll be joking about it now but i said remember when i got in trouble making you make them dolls hunch. <laughs> You know, and I got in trouble because I was, that's that's what I knew. Right. You know, so I.
1: Why, why don't you just go and keep it real? Yeah, I'm just keeping it real. Yeah. I mean, I, and I got in
3: trouble because I got caught teaching my younger cousin those horrible things. And uh, we kind of laugh about it now, but, you know, I've learned that you don't know what another child knows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not at all. But don't make them feel like they're a horrible person because. You don't know what they've been through. That's true. Why did you want to become a counselor? Because I wanted to save the world. Yes. I wanted to keep all these little girls. Initially, I felt like I wanted to keep the little girls safe. And at some point, I even wanted to counsel the offenders. Mm-hmm. At, well, at one point. Because I was like, well, if I counsel the offenders, they don't go back out and do it again. Mm-hmm. But research says that, that, you know, it's really almost like new people keep doing it. Mm
4: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: And so, I was like, okay, I don't wanna touch that. I still wanna help the girls. Mm -hmm. I still wanna help young females who I want them to be aware. Because prevention Mm -hmm. is what I wanna do, Mm -hmm. but intervention is where everybody is. That's right. That's true. And education. Yes. Awareness and yeah, so I think my thing is you know trying to raise awareness that hey You're not the only one that my thing is raising awareness to the parents Don't need your kid, but this man you barely know hmm. Don't think that if your daughter comes to you and tells you that somebody touched her don't think she's lying Don't you know there are things there are a lot of things we could tell the parents and I get and I get a little overwhelmed because is so many points that I've seen. There's so many aspects that I want to hit it from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, with the parent, with the child, with the fathers. Fathers, single parents, single moms are so vulnerable when it comes to this situation. And I think fathers need to take a more active role in their children's, children's lives.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that um, that the Geneva Foundation does, uh, Mrs. Sanders' uh, organization, Geneva Foundation, um, is she works with a lot of females that have been abused in various different ways, from the, from the little girls to the to the old ladies. I mean, mm-hmm. literally in their mid seventies. Um, and we recently we've been talking about this um, because when a female gets hurt, she carries it; she carries that pain. Sometimes in secrecy, um, uh, but you know, until someone can help her unpack that, that baggage. Mm-hmm. But when a guy gets abused, he goes and abuses someone else. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for me, you know, having spent so much time in prison, and now in, with the realization that most of those guys that were there, and you were talking about the guys, mm-hmm. and so. We are trying to do a joint effort and diversify our our work so that the guy that did the harm can come to grips with himself and really go down on the inside of himself and say, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm there too. Mm -hmm. They just don't talk about it.
4: Right.
1: And uh, because they think if they tell, then, you know, it exposes them and makes them even more vulnerable, but they fight. Mm -hmm. and they pull guns on people Mm -hmm. and they beat people down trying to compensate for the lack of control they had when it was happening to them.
3: Control is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing.
0: And it's sad when a young girl or woman is is, um, Mm raped and go to court, the Mm -hmm. court system make you feel like, oh, this is your fault. You know, all all of of the, the prosecutor make it feel like, this is your fault, you know, what did you have on, what were you wearing? It doesn't matter what I was wearing, you know, you don't have the right, right. but they still make you feel like, you know, you was at fault, you know, and I was reading some statistics there a couple of weeks ago, for every 1,000 men that have gone to, gone to be prosecuted, only six out of 1,000 actually go to jail. Six out of 1,000. That's 994 people out there that is really destroying somebody's life.
3: And I don't think they even understand (laughs) the impact. And I know another thing that I I was really, and it's quite, it's very simple. You know, how hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. Hurt people hurt people. So how do we get to a point where we stop the cycle of hurt where hurt people that have been hurt so bad or so deep to the core that they have to do so such horrible things to other people. Mm. And they just keep the cycle going and going. You know, and it it's
0: amazing because, um, you know, even when women are abused, you may hear of a, a woman, you know, dogging men from here to here. There's a reason for that, mm-hmm. you know. And we go through all these different cycles, you know. I'm gonna get him, mm-hmm. I'm gonna get that person before they get me. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to sit there and I used to have all these crazy thoughts in my head. And I used to pray to God, please, please, please remove the anger and the frustration that I'm feeling. And I would ask him, I would almost beg God, please surround me with men that love me from my nose up Mm -hmm. and respect me for who I am, you know? And when women are abused and hurt by men, they, there's no trust issue. I mean, for years and years and years, you go through this trust factor, you mm-hmm. know. Even though the greatest man in the world may love you, mm-hmm. you're gonna sabotage a relationship because you don't feel worthy of it. Mm-hmm. And you don't believe that that person actually loves you. So, sometimes it takes being, not wanting to cause the same pain that someone caused you. Mm-hmm. And I know that was always my thing. I do not wanna hurt anybody the way that I was hurt. You know, even when the emotion came, I would always go find something positive to do for somebody so it would remove that anger and that frustration that I felt. And the moment that I reached out to a total stranger or somebody in the neighborhood or somebody that was going through a bad time, it always made me feel better to yeah. be able to help somebody else. And it it could be cooking cornbread. I'm serious. Cooking I cook for the neighborhood when stuff goes on with me. <laughs> Say they got used to it now, <laughs> but I, but, but I would. That was my way of coping and my way of saying, I cannot fall into this negative negative pattern that so many others have fallen in. Because you could be anybody on the street, and my mother used to tell me, if there's ten women in the room, you better make sure you're the lady. And I've always thought every time there, there was a thought process mm-hmm. in my head okay, I'm supposed to be delayed no matter what. So sometimes we just have to, you know, say, hey, enough is enough. That bus needs to stop right here. I don't need to transfer my feelings, especially negative ones, to somebody else.
3: And I think people also don't understand the impact it they have on parenting. Yes. I When I first found out I was pregnant, I was like, oh, my God, what if I do something crazy like yes. that? What if I, you know, have an urge to touch yes. one of my yeah. children yeah. or... Something, but then when I when I had my son and I was like, you know, I gotta protect him for the rest of his yeah, life. Yeah. You know, nobody can. I gotta keep him away from all this stuff. And I started seeing how do people do this to their children. I didn't understand it until I became a parent. You know, it's like this person is so vulnerable, and and you're responsible for their well being on every turn. And at some point, you decide, I'm gonna touch this person, mm-hmm. or I'm gonna <laughs> do things to this person. So. As a as a parent, I also became overprotective of my kids, mm-hmm. where they wouldn't they couldn't do sleepovers, um because I didn't trust outside people. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want them to go anywhere where somebody could come in and right. touch them, right. um and they couldn't tell me about it, or they would be put in a position where their lives could be changed forever. Mm. So this 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 uh, this thing CSA child sexual abuse affects people. In so many ways, and I don't think society understands, you don't even want to call us a lot of times angry, but I just refuse to relinquish my control mm. to you. And, I, I understand. And you brought up trust. Like, I still use trust very sparingly. I use benefit of the doubt loosely. Mm-hmm. I give you the benefit of the doubt. It's up to you to earn mm-hmm. my trust. That's it. Hey, that's good. it. That's and that's, that's just... Yes. Come to hell roll these days, you know? Yeah.
2: <laughs> I feel like she's covered so much in her story. I have questions in regards of, I feel, I think you kind of touched on it, you and Ms. has kind of touched on it with hurting people hurt other people. And I know that for myself that I was just reading something when you mentioned um, CSA, when you say child sexual abuse. And we definitely underestimate the different effects that that has on an individual during those developmental ages, Mm -hmm. you know, just trust and love and how, for myself, you kind of used your experience to kind of propel you. Um, I think about your mother and allowing you to go to... To work in the different boys and girls club, so those were some seeds that were planted mm-hmm. up for you to move past these circumstances mm-hmm. that you've gone mm-hmm. through, and to use your life to be a blessing to somebody else. Uh, for myself, I can say that sometimes um, it just it didn't just affect me from a romantic relationship, but even you know my career and just. Uh, a, a lot of it just trying to step out and, and really believe in yourself because you know in order to be successful that's the first thing people tell you right? right. They yeah. believe in yourself yeah. and when something like that happens to you it robs you of your innocence mm-hmm. and your self worth and so for me for a very long time I didn't feel like I had anything to give and when I did give, I gave too much until mm-hmm. so it was a form of abuse. Mm-hmm. So when I, and then sometimes I used it honestly, I can look back at it. Um, it was a form of manipulation because I thought that if I gave you everything that you want in return, you would give me love. Mm-hmm. Or the opposite, I mm-hmm. won't give you nothing at all mm-hmm. because I don't feel like, you think I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. So I just listening to your stories, I just want, you know, our listeners to know that this is definitely something serious. And it's not just um it, it affects every stage of your life in every area. I think sometimes when people think of sexual abuse or trauma, they just think that's what it is, sexual, you know, your romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that it affects uh, the psychological aspects of you, your career, it bleeds into your, your physical, your health,
4: mm-hmm. your mental health,
2: even your relationship with God, mm-hmm. because the fundamental question is, if God, there is a God, why would He allow this to happen mm-hmm. to me? Right. Right. So, I do believe that this is one of the um, devices that the enemy uses. To really destroy a human being.
4: Mm
2: -hmm. I really do. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that everyone around this table has been able to overcome. And not only been able to overcome it in their own lives, but have dedicated their lives to helping somebody else. Wow. (laughs) That's
1: that's a good word. That's a good word. I want to ask you, do you see yourself then an overcomer?
2: I do.
1: Do you feel like you've got the victory over victimization?
3: I think it is a constant working program. <laughs> I am under construction constantly. One of my favorite mythical creatures is a phoenix. Because I feel like when someone... When, something, when trauma happens to you when you go through all of these different things you almost have to shed Mm. some things away and let them burn and come out anew. Almost like being baptized. And so I feel like as far as a victim I no longer feel victimized. I feel like I'm survived. I feel like since I've since i've come into the into the mentality that i'm a survivor and i wasn't put here i wasn't put here and i didn't go through all of that to feel sorry for myself or to um hate the person that did it to me or the circumstances in which it happened i think that they said the lord gives the hardest battles to his strongest souls Mm-hmm. And I think I've been on this battlefield for a while, you know, and I'm just going to continue to fight this fight. So as a survivor, that's what I do. I fight this fight.
1: That's awesome. Well, you're, you're a, a champion, in, in my opinion, and um, in a, definitely a leader and a champion and, a, and a, definitely a winner. And I had someone ask me a long ago, "Why do you keep calling me a winner? What What gives you the right to call me a winner? You don't really know me." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, I know that it's in your DNA, winning." Mm-hmm. He said, no "Why you say that?" I said, "Because ten million sperm cells, mm-hmm.
4: this is ten true. million sperm, yeah. mm-hmm. sperm
1: cells were were pursuing hot pursuit of the egg, mm-hmm. but you got through.
4: You got through."
1: You know, and, and the whinings have a song that says millions didn't make it, but I was one of the worst. Right.
4: <laughs> oh, <laughs> so okay. we might right. we might need to listen to that song again. See what they're about. Right, right. <laughs> but
1: but that right there means that I am programmed for winning. You are programmed for success. It's it's inevitable. <coughs> Uh, the only way you don't win is if you intend to not win. And uh, and I just thank God for bringing you through. Um, and you are a towering example of uh, what God can do through a person when they yield and when they realize what is happening. So, Miss um, Lightfoot, what would you... What is your pressing message right now? What is bubbling up in you right now that um, just the, you just feel like I've got to get this particular word out to the listeners? There are a lot of people who are listening quietly and, and, and relating to what you're saying. And they're thinking, oh, this is good. I can relate to that. So what now? What would you say?
3: I think there are two things. Um, my biggest thing is that abuse is no skips for the adults out there or the, the the teenagers who are on the fence about certain things and they feel like because of the abuse that they've gone through they're going to cross over and do these things. Think about it. You know, think about it. Think about the consequences, think about the outcomes of your um future and how it's going to impact somebody else in the long run. I think the second thing is resources. I think if it wasn't for resources in my situation, I don't know where I would have been. Mm. I think that we need to be, we need to be mindful of the resources that are available in our communities for our children. We need to be available. We need to be mindful of resources that are available for parents. Um, there are parenting groups in different places. There are um, different organizations that hold parenting classes. There are um, boys and girls clubs are still open. I think. Yes. Um, <laughs> definitely, you can take children there, and if they're if they're two, and you know they actually cut off the age that they take. Um, Boys and girls don't used to take teenagers. I think they cut the age off so now they leave that gap for you know. Well, what is my child gonna do? Let them volunteer somewhere. Let them go mm-hmm. there for free. They will work for free. It'll that's build cool. some character, mm-hmm. and they'll get some skills, and it helps mm-hmm. build their resume. I made my my child. That's twenty two now. I think he was sixteen or seventeen. He volunteered at Perkins Center. Oh, yeah. He bounced at the Perkins for like three summers, oh, and it wow. kept him out of trouble. And the 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 godly things that he learned there, he hasn't forgotten them yet. You know, well, not yet, but he has forgotten them. Right. Um, and he was in a leadership position, and he learned leadership from doing that. So I got that from my mom doing it to me, and I passed it on to my son. And mm-hmm. I just think, you know, we just gotta break <clears> these cycles.
1: You know, I used to serve on the on the board for the Perkins Foundation, mm. and. Uh, you're right they they have a good solid curriculum and program that that's there um so the geneva foundation is is going to be doing group sessions and classes for females starting the first of the year um i'm not speaking for miss Sanders, but she's right here i I think she would love for you to come in and be a part of that facilitation
0: Absolutely. absolutely You know, you know. one of the things that I always <clears throat> was talking to a lady today that um, someone had given me, given her my number to call, and um, <laughs> she said, I don't know how to tell you this. This is the conversation we had. She said, I don't know how to tell you this, but I've been abused. Now, I don't know who she is, never met her. She has started telling me a story. And she said, I've gone through this for 50 years. And she says, and this is probably the fifth time that I've talked about it, but I got your number. And she says, when are you having a class? And I said, the first of the year. And she said, will you keep my information? Can I come? And I said, well, what? <laughs> I said, what made you want to call me today? She said, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm sick and tired of not being. Any, uh, I'm sick and tired of not being anybody. Mm-hmm. She said, I don't feel I'm important. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm needed. I just feel I'm just walking here. Mm -hmm. And I can understand and relate what that feels like. Just walking, taking care of brothers and sisters, and you just existing. You know, Mm -hmm. that nobody cares about you. Nobody loves you. There's not a comfortable place to go. You know, who am I gonna tell? They tell me to shut my mouth. So I understand what all of that feels like. And for her to be over 50 years old and held this for 50 years and still saying, I don't feel like I'm nobody
1: important. That's sad, you that's know? so sad. <clears throat> and the and thing is, she, she will, without some sort of an interruption, intervention, you know, some, some ripple in the course of thing, the way things are going, uh, she will end up dying a life she never lived. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what you know what is meant sometimes when people die. When they're young, we don't get a chance to bury them until they're 60, 70 that's years true. old. Because they were carrying this dark pain and this bitterness and this hurt.
0: You so, know, and it's, it's so amazing to me that <clears throat> someone can just actually, Come in and abuse someone and take everything away from them. Everything that you have no right to take. Mm. But you take it just like it's it's yours and it's not. Mm. And I just don't feel nobody has the right to take anything. You know, my mother told me, the only thing that you ever have to give a man that you love is your body. Right. That's the only choice. And when women are raped... And misuse, we have no rights. Mm. But that's got to stop. Mm-hmm. That's, right. mm. that's yeah. got to stop. Wow, it's got to stop. It's got to
2: so, stop. So I'm gonna ask you a question. <laughs> <again>? <laughs> now that you have told your story, and knowing how apprehensive you were <laughs> of telling your story, how would you encourage another young lady who's like, you know what, I? Had told anybody. I just write it down in my journal. I may have told one close friend, but I really need to tell my story. I'm afraid of what other people are going to think. I'm even afraid of what the abuser may think. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't even think about that. Especially when it's a form of incest. Mm -hmm. When it's someone that's Mm -hmm. in the family. Mm -hmm. As bad as it sounds, you do consider that individual's feelings of being exposed.
4: Right.
2: And so I just want to know what words of encouragement would you give that young lady or that young man um, or the, the, the seasoned lady? Whoever is out there listening is just saying, you know what, I, this is something that's happened to me or it happened a long time ago.
3: And I want to be able to tell my story, and I'm I'm afraid. I think that telling it in your own time, Okay. when you're comfortable with telling it, okay. to whomever you're comfortable telling it to. Okay. Um. One thing I used to do was write it a lot. Right. I used to write it a lot because it was like when I was younger I wanted to forget it mm-hmm. but the older I got I didn't want to forget it right. so I think therapy is important mm-hmm. we can talk to a lot of people but are they helping us come up with solutions right. That's are, the key. Are they, the key. right are they helping us come up with ways to manage these emotions and feelings that we have and once they come up what do we do with them right um so i think therapy is important um and i also think that i think writing though is a big step you know because once you put it on paper you can kind of reflect and kind of see kind of the course of how things happen because sometimes mm-hmm. i get confused on dates yeah. that's why i say between the ages of four and six because mm-hmm. i don't Absolutely. Even remember how old i was yeah. That's true. you know as far as I'm concerned I wasn't there right mm-hmm. you know you know right. I, I wasn't that's there true. That's that's true. True. so we I think we have to get it out it's almost like when you're trying to write a book and they say just get it out right that's another thing you know and depending on why you're getting it out like if you want to help somebody you know you want to you want to tell it in a certain a certain space if you just doing therapy you're going to tell it in a certain space if right. you're Writing a book, you're going to tell it to the whole world, you know, because right. it's going to be in your book when you put it out there. Right, right. <laughs> so, I think it's just, you know, take your time and figure out how you want to do it. Um, but I definitely encourage people to go to therapy, not just because that's my field of study, <laughs> but because I went. Right. Okay. I went to therapy when I was going through some other things in my life.
2: Right.
3: And my abuse came up. And I was like, man, I thought I'd deal with this. Mm -hmm.
1: Right, right. Ongoing thing.
3: Mm -hmm. Ongoing thing. Ongoing thing. It pushes
0: you from one place to the other. Right. And in that anger and that frustration, that decision you make determines who you're getting ready to become. Yep. All the time.
3: And that therapy helped me understand that it doesn't matter what I did, you know, as far as why I did it. What matters now is what I'm going to do with the things I learned from those lessons. Right. That's it. That's the task. That's right. And yeah. I decided to, I need to get out and help somebody and do something, and that's when I kind of decided I want to tell my story, but I didn't know how. Right. I didn't know what platform, right. you know, who do I talk to, who do I tell, because I still struggle. Another thing I've always had a fear of was I'm going to get out here and tell my story, and I'm like, she ain't got all of yet.
1: Right. Because
3: and that's why I say I'm a, I'm, I'm a survivor and I'm still a work in progress and I'm just on the battlefield, right. fighting this fight. Right. I like. think
1: one of the things that that really needs to get out there, um, and I, I don't hear much talk about that, is that when a person has gone through, until they get to a point where they can purge,
4: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, they're gonna always be going through it. Mm-hmm. And so for a person to say, oh, wow, that happened, you know, why is this, because it's never been purged, it's never been brought to the surface, and then, like you said, dealt with. Mm
2: -hmm. Right, because just think about how many years you have suppressed (laughs) it, and you have, it's like you went around it for Mm -hmm. so many years. Because the pain hurts so bad. And you had, out Mm -hmm. of that, you had to become another person. A whole person.
4: Mm-hmm. So it's like,
2: how do you get back to the the real, authentic you? And it's it's kind of like there's always this this battle, and until that that real you, and that could take a really long time because out of because it happened to you at like I said, at such a young age, just it affects every area of life with relationships. Mm-hmm. Your business relationships, mm-hmm. right. your romantic relationships, mm-hmm. your perception of the world, this whole thing of trust. Mm-hmm. I don't trust people because somebody's out to hurt me and I got to look out for myself. Right. And as you go to therapy, and you realize, oh, this is the reason why mm-hmm. I have issues of avoidance. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the reason why yes. I escape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is why I have all these, these, and outside of that, these um, self-defeating behaviors. Out of here, I eat. Eat a lot. Right. whatever it is. Mm. So I think it, it's just it really it's an ongoing process, and yes. it definitely takes some time. And the Persian like you we were saying, it it it, it happens, mm-hmm. and it's and that within itself is a process. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is a process.
0: When do we stop protecting our abuser? Mm-hmm. Because okay. when we don't talk mm-hmm. about it. We're protecting the person Ooh. that abused us. Yes. Mm-hmm. He right. still has the power, even if he's dead. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't want his grandson to know, his granddaughter to know. Mm-hmm. We don't want our mother and our father to know what happened to right. us by somebody that they mm-hmm. love. It's time out for that. Right. It's, it's wow. time out for right.
1: that. That is so true.
3: <clears throat> but you know, I think I became, a, I became a compartmentalization freak. Like I could put things in a box... In my oh, yeah. mind, and they wouldn't touch each other, mm. and I mm. think I was when you just said about uh when when do we become our authentic self, I think for me that was that's the whole thing about the Phoenix is that my authentic self keeps evolving right exactly. you know from the from from when I was a little girl, I wanted to do one thing and then all of this stuff happened, and then I wanted to do something else but now I'm an adult and I want to do something different, you know because of that, it's almost like it's just never stops evolving. It's almost like I shed away whatever Mm -hmm. it was that I would have could have been back then Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. this happened. And I've evolved into this entirely different being and I've learned to accept who I am Mm -hmm. and love myself for my new me. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And you know, that's what, like, Maslow, you know, he talks about the hierarchy and getting to the point of of actualization. Mm -hmm. But do you ever really get there? You know, yeah. and um, and so that's. But we were we did a, a, a workshop today for um, called suddenly free. Now what? What we're dealing with ex-offenders, and um, one of the things that we noticed particularly about the females, uh, Ms. Anders was there. She cited one of the statistics that said over seventy nine percent of women who are incarcerated, and. Um, it was a pipeline to the penitentiary when they got abused, mm-hmm. and then also, there's a study that says the longer they're incarcerated, the more they reenact the abuse, and it becomes almost Secondary. so current. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and how do you replace those? Well, I know for myself, <clears throat> how do you replace those negative thoughts that pushes you to do something negative? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I know for myself <clears throat> growing up with the nuggets my mother gave me, you know, always go do something for someone else. Yeah. You know, always okay. do that for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Then God gonna show up for you. Mm-hmm. Don't hold this anger inside no matter what somebody does to you because he know not what he do.
4: Right.
0: You know, and all those little things just stayed in my head for years and years and years. and. Mom used to always say, you know, when, when you're going through stuff, go to work. My grandmother would tell me, go to work. And I have learned from And, and that's how I survived. A lot of folks told me I was overachiever because of all the things I've done in my life. Mm-hmm. But that's how I survived.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I survived by people saying, oh, oh, you can't do that. Oh, I stay up all night Mm -hmm. just to research how I can do this so I can show you that I can't. I'm serious. That's how I survive, you know. And she would always say, "If you go to work, you can pay your light bill on Friday. But if you sit at home, lights gonna get cut off. You ain't gonna have no apartment. You ain't gonna have no car. You ain't gonna have no nothing." Mm -hmm. I tried that, and it worked. Mm -hmm. I didn't have no apartment, no lights, no house, no nothing. (laughs) (laughs) But when you get up and move to do something positive, no matter what happens. No matter how hard it may be, if you can just push your way through, mm-hmm. it gets easier each time you push your way through. That's how I survived. Mm-hmm. That's how I survived. I had so many people tell me, you ain't nothing, you ain't gonna be nothing, you ain't even cute. And I used to look at them, i say, I may not be nothing, but I sure ain't. <laughs> Cute is not one of the issues. Right. Right. I know. No.
1: That's how you No, you're going way too far now. That's how you know everything they said was a I know. things. <laughs> <laughs> you just said that to <laughs> me. I
0: may have some issues, but that's not one of them. <laughs> but you know, but you just <laughs> have to constantly push your way. You know, I don't care if it's five years ago or in my case, more than 45, you still get that trigger. Yeah. In the summertime, I can walk outside or go where there is a country road and I can smell honey sugar. I can smell a cigar. Just little things as a mm-hmm. constant reminder of those times. And sometimes, it, it used to put me in a bed. When I would, summertime, it would put June,
1: she used to, and I've been knowing Miss Sanders for you know, 25 years, and and there was always that uh, summertime sabbatical that you know, where, where did she go? Where where is she? No one can reach her, and it was I had known her for about 10 years before I discovered what was actually going on, mm-hmm. and um, but now summertime she'll be out there. Yeah, <laughs> you ain't gonna take my glory
0: no more, no more. But that's things you gotta do. You gotta persevere. Yeah. I
2: push them. I just say that anybody out there that's struggling just push
0: through. Just yeah, push through. You got to. And you're not alone. Right. You're you not know. Alone. You're not alone. And nine times out of ten the people that you're trying to keep it from already know anyway. Mm-hmm. My whole entire family knew. Not one person made the effort to help. Mm-hmm. Not one. My church? Nobody. The community? Mm-hmm. Nobody. I'm just sitting there. I remember four years standing in my house, not going far here to my car out there. Never left the house, cause I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. Just so many different things going on. People beating you down. You ain't gonna be nothing. You ain't nobody. Ain't nobody gonna love you. Nobody gonna want you.
3: And it only takes one person to say, "I believe you." <laughs>
1: right.
0: I believe you. It takes yeah. one.
1: Well, listen. I tell you what. It has been <laughs> such a joy and a privilege uh, to to sit here with you and 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 to just to hear your story and hear your advice, your remedies, your encouragement. And and I hope our listeners out there uh, will take to heart the information that you've shared, and that they would reach out and, like you said, persevere, and um, and just decide to win. And that they actually do win. So why don't we do this? Why don't we let our prayer warrior close us out in prayer?
0: Amen. It's Amelia Stewart.
2: (laughs) All right, (laughs) use me, Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for just allowing us to wake up this morning, to just to see another day. We know, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you have given us a new opportunity to begin our day with you, Lord. And we just thank you. Lord, we just pray a special prayer over all of our listeners right now. That who may have been going through some difficult and trying times right now, Lord. And may feel absolutely alone. They may feel as though they want to give up. And I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that in this moment, Lord, that you will cover them, Lord. To remind them that greater than is in me, that he that is in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To know that, Lord, you will supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory, Lord. We put you Mm -hmm. first and we start our day with you, Lord. That no matter what trials or tribulations or obstacles that are in our way, you will help us to overcome them Mm -hmm. and be victorious. And once we become victorious, Lord, we will reach back and help someone else Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. tell them the good news Mm -hmm. and what you have done in our lives, Lord. We know that everyone that is listening in some capacity has some experience with you, whether it's small, big, or great. And Mm -hmm. I know that in those challenging moments, Lord, we tend to forget and focus on our problems. Mm -hmm. But help us, Lord, to remember the things that you have done to remember the things that you are doing and the God in which we serve for the promises that will come because of what you are about to do. Amen. And we give you all the glory and the praise. I pray for our listeners, anyone that may be struggling with had struggled with any form of sexual abuse or any abuse or trauma at all. God, we know that you are a comforter, Lord. And we know, Heavenly Father, Lord, that sometimes relationships have been destroyed. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the relationship with self and it's the relationship with you. And mm-hmm. so I pray that in this moment, Lord, that healing will come amongst your yes. pe- people. That as they begin to heal themselves through you, Lord, the relationship with themselves and their values and how they see themselves, that they will be able to be A beacon of hope in their family, Lord. And through our healing families, Lord, we will build a better community and a better society, Lord. And through healing, we will have a better world. We thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord. And we love you with every ounce of our being. Continue to cover us, Lord. Let us have a victorious week and we thank you in Jesus name we pray. Amen. 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 if
1: you gained anything from this program today we would sure love to hear from you uh, Miss Sanders how can one contact you
0: www.genevafoundationinc.org ok and do you have a phone number
1: 601 501
0: 1587 Mr. Gooch how can we get in touch with you
1: that's www.iamfreeinc.com, or by phone it can be 601-773-7971 thank you sir thank you so we thank miss lasagna lightfoot for being our guest today thank you so much for being here
2: thank you
0: for having me i appreciate it thank you thank you Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> we may yeah. have to do
3: a part 2 okay
1: Thank you for listening to New Beginnings Radio, where we're planting seeds today for a better tomorrow and helping you to take progressive steps towards your freedom. We're here every Monday morning at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time. We hope you join us. So may the goodness and mercy of the Lord pursue you all week long, and we'll see you right back here on Monday. Have a great week, everyone.